Thank you, Pastor. Well, good morning. I'm glad to see you, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve the Lord by helping my pastor during this time and giving him a little bit of respite. And uh, I don't know, you know, if you're not a pastor, you just never understand what a load pastoring is. And this good brother does a wonderful job, and uh, but there's a load that goes with it, uh, and I'm grateful that he's here today. Someone asked him earlier if he was all right. He said, well, I'm upright, <laughs> and uh, that just fit in so well to what I have to say in a moment from this text, Psalm 15. Because we may look upright physically and not be so upright at the same time on the inside. But that is also the way it is spiritually. We can look really upright, but not be so upright on the inside. Now, the good news is this. We all see the uprightness, uprightness on the outside the tough news to contend with is the Father sees it from the inside. Psalm 15. Benjamin Franklin referred to this psalm as the gentleman's psalm. Or the psalm for gentlemen and ladies. And that uh, it's a pattern of life that they should pattern themselves after this type of person that's delineated. Particularly in verses 2 through 5. We can take that a step farther and say that it certainly identifies some significant marks of a committed Christian. In fact, I toured around here with two different titles to this. One, how to recognize a committed Christian. And certainly these significant marks delineated in two through five, those verses, would be something indicative of that. This person is this way and this way and this way. This is a committed Christian. But more importantly, and the message that we want to address is, what about this person? And what do they enjoy? As a result of being this type of person, what do they enjoy? And that, of course, means something to do between them and the Father. And it's interesting that, you know, after the question, and we'll read the text in just a moment, the question is in verse 1, then the answer is in two through five, those verses that remain in this particular psalm. But there are ten things listed there. Ten characteristics. And that makes you think about the Ten Commandments. And then if you think about it for a while and you examine it closely, it'll it'll come to mind the Lord's Sermon on the Mount because some of these same issues are addressed. In fact, uh, this has been called by many as David's Sermon on the, on the Mount. And it's not an exhaustive list. There are ten things. Like the Ten Commandments are ten things. But it's not exhaustive, is it? Because it, it addresses all of life, embraces all of life. So we could say these ten things or the Ten Commandments or what the Lord addressed in the Sermon on the Mount embraces 
or is to embrace by his intent all of our lives. I have a daughter in North Carolina, daughter and son-in-law there, and they have 10 children. She's homeschooled all of them, and they have Bible class every day, and she's taught a ton of scripture to these scooters through the years. And just recently, she bought a little booklet on the Ten Commandments written at the little child's level. And so she brought it home, and so my 12-year-old grandson, Gideon, <clears throat> sat down to read it to his 4-year-old little sister, Giselle. And she's four years old. So he read the title, Ten Ways We Can Please God. And she immediately responded, is that all? (laughs) Well, it's not all. Because those Ten Commandments, as these ten things here, embrace all of our lives. So let's read the text. Verse 1, Psalm 15. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in In thy holy hill, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart, he that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a, a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He sweareth to his own hurt, and he changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to Israel, but taketh, and taketh, but not taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we love you and we thank you and praise you that you're our Lord and our God. And, and by your grace, Father, we've been redeemed through the blood of the Lamb. And we're here because we desire to be here. We open your word together because we desire, Lord, that gift of grace that we love you because you first loved us. And we love your word, your instructions to us. Lord, no mortal, and particularly this one, is adequate to stand before your people and open your word. Lord, I surrender to you and I pray, God, you'd wear me like a garment. There'd be no flesh, just thee speaking through me to these that are thine for thy honor, for thy praise, for thy glory and our good and growth and grace is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. So the question there is this, Lord, who shall abide in our tabernacle? Who shall dwell on thy holy hill? Well, David used the word tabernacle because the temple had yet to be built. And so that's hill, that hill there in Jerusalem, referred to as Zion. Uh, the tabernacle was moved from place to place, of course, but there it was at this particular time. And so that was the tent of meeting, as it's been referred to, where the people gathered to go and worship the Lord God. And inside there was the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant. And that was the symbol and the, uh, of the presence of the Lord with his people. And this psalm may well have been something they would sing together as they approached the Temple Mount or entered, in, entered into the temple proper, examining their hearts through the ministry of this psalm as they sang, Who can dwell with thee. 
in thy tabernacle. Who can dwell on your holy hill? Certainly a method, method of self-examination is they would enter in to worship the Lord in that sacred place. Now, this is not about how to be saved, how to become a child of God. This is how a child of God that knows the Father through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who's been born of God, this is how this person lives if he wants to live or she wants to live in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord. It, it addresses specific areas and behaviors, uh, so forth, uh, that have to do with daily living, practical, practical daily life. And the question is then, okay, these people, Lord, that you would be pleased to visit in you, so to speak, and have fellowship with you, who are they? What do they look like? What type of people are they? And then the remaining verses, of course, that question. And, you know, this was written to a Jewish audience. You know how much difference that makes? None. It makes no difference at all. Because the whole counsel of God was written for our instruction. Now, certainly, there are things that are applied to them and that particular generation, you know, thousands of years ago. But the Word of God and the principles contained in it are written as examples for our instructions in every day of grace until the Lord returns again. So it meant the same thing to the Jewish audience then as it does to us redeemed believers in the Lord Jesus Christ today. The terms abide and dwell... They speak of continuing, consistent fellowship with the Lord. If I ask Ray Kurgan where he abides or where he dwells, I'm asking, where do you stay? Where do you stay? Where do you spend your time abiding or dwelling in a particular place? So we might paraphrase uh, verse 1 here this way. Lord, what kind of individual is the one who maintains intimate fellowship with you. Who is that person? Who is that? What type of person is that? That enjoys your presence daily. Am I one of those? Are you one of those? Daily fellowship with the Lord. Intimate fellowship daily with the Lord. That's the question that we need to address daily with ourselves, being in intimate fellowship with Him, sensitive to the wooing of the Spirit, to the direction of the Lord, to following the counsel of the Lord because we are full of it. It's the Word of Christ is dwelling richly in us because we're looking at it and digging in it purposely, daily, consistently. I live in Hideaway, there's some lakes out there, and sometimes it's still as death out there in those pine trees. In the summertime when it's hot, and you, know, you can look at the top of the 40-foot whatever pine trees and can't see one bit of movement. It's hot and it's still. But you can go over there to the lake shore and look out and there'll be a sailboat out there or two. Going across that lake, you think, wow. you think a kite wouldn't even fly. But a sailboat moving across that lake ever so slowly. Why? Because the flag, the, the sail is unfurled. And it's 
so sensitive to even the gentle touch of the spirit of the pneuma of the wind. That's the way that the person has to be who is going to be in intimate daily fellowship with the Lord. We've got to be sensitive to him and doing what's pleasing to him. And that's what this question is about. Lord, who is this person? What are they like that pleases you and that can enjoy this daily intimate fellowship with them? And last, the last verse, of course, the last stanza says, He that doeth all these things shall never be moved. Again, we're not talking about moved from salvation. We're talking about being moved from something, right? Because that's what the book says. The word says, this person shall never be moved from something. Well, what exactly is that? So, two through five. Let's take a look at them and see what they tell us here. First of all, this person who maintains intimate daily fellowship with the Lord... That's an action, isn't it? It's a Hebrew word. It's an adjective in that particular form there. It means without blemish, complete, sincerely, undefiled. So it speaks of character, does it not? That word could also be translated integrity. This person walks uprightly. This person walks with integrity, etc. Christian integrity. Uh, seeking, not, not perfect, perfectly. We can't walk perfectly in this robe of flesh. But our, our heart's desire is to walk with integrity before the Lord. This person's seeking that daily, seeking it sincerely, and their life is an open book. There's no hidden dark secrets there because they are work, walking, seek, seeking to walk circumspectly before the Lord on a daily basis. It's been well said that integrity needs no rules. And it doesn't, does it? Godly integrity really doesn't need rules. See, government is external, and it's needed in the absence of internal government. But the man or woman bore a girl, the child of God that's seeking daily fellowship with the Lord, doesn't need all those rules because they serve a higher court. And they're thoroughly instructed about what the higher court expects. What does the Lord thy God require of thee? It's here. And we examine it. And we thoroughly furnish to every good work because that's where our focus is. And thus, our focus being there, the external government is not needed around us to control the behavior of the flesh that would otherwise be manifested. This person walks with righteousness uprightly and secondly, works righteousness. By the way, in regard to the issue about integrity. Another thing that could be said of the character, you know, character determines my character, your character determines what you and I do in the dark when no one can see us. Does it, do you agree with that? Okay. Oswald Chambers said, my worth to God in public is what I am in private. That's pretty serious. Isn't it? My worth to God in public is what I do and what I am worth to him in private. Secondly, this person, in the second verse there, second part, worketh righteousness. It means rightness in one actions, fair dealing, justly dealing with others. You know what happens to a person that consistently does that? 
They have a clear conscience. Isn't it wonderful when you've had that experience and I've had that experience when I go to my prayer, prayer spot or my prayer closet and I don't have to start off confessing those things that the Holy Spirit's reminding me of before I get to what I wanted to talk about in the first place. I got a clear conscience because I've been dealing rightly and justly and fairly in my actions. Psalm 24, 4 says, these people have clean hands and a pure heart. And that includes both the public and the private life. And I want to tell you something, and you know this before I tell you. If the heart's not clean, the hands won't be long clean either. Because what is the heart? The heart is the heart of the matter. That's it. The heart is the heart of the matter. And so what's in here comes out. Jesus said, it's not what goes out. It's what? It's your heart. It's your heart. The heart of the matter. So the person who enjoys daily intimacy with the Lord, daily sensitivity, daily intimacy, is one who walks with integrity or uprightness, works righteousness, and thirdly, speaks the truth. Verse 2, third part. Speaks the truth in the heart and outwardly. And a committed Christian, though a person who is really seeking to serve the Lord intimately, there is no deception tolerated. There's no deception there. There's no credibility gap between what's on the inside and the thought life and what's on the outside and the actions. And you've seen it, and I've seen it, and I've been guilty of it, and I won't know where, where you have or been or not. But there have been credibility gaps of what I was thinking on the inside and doing on the outside. I was going south on Broadway the other day in my car. Pretty heavy traffic. I'm in the inside lane. This dude over here on this street decides that he can hit it fast enough and beat everybody to get to the middle lane. Now, he cleared the guy next to me, but he's coming straight at me. And I reached this thing as hard as I could this way went across two lanes and by the grace of God alone missed him. Got back in the center lane before this guy coming north hit me. And then got back into my lane and headed on down Broadway. That's what my actions were. But there was a difference in my thinking. <laughs> because I wanted to turn around and go find that guy and minister to him in Jesus name, of course. Slap him silly and wake him up. What a crazy, stupid thing for a guy to do. You see, we've all been there. Why is that that? Why is it that way? Because we're human. And we're in the flesh, this robe of flesh. It doesn't have to be our master, but it sure rears its ugly head at times. And certainly when we're dealing with all these fleshly knotheads around us in this community. And oh boy. We always want others to think the best of us, don't we? Which is motivation enough, really, to govern our behavior. Think about that. A person who has no interest in the Word of God at all doesn't know the Lord Jesus at all. They want you to think the best of them. And that's motivation for them to do right, at least when you think you're watching them. And it works the same way with us. When you're watching me, I, I'm probably going to be more careful. Pastor's looking at my shoulder. I'm probably going to be more careful. 
So this person walks uprightly, works righteousness, speaks truth in the heart. And then in verse 3, they're relationally concerned. Relationally concerned. What do I mean by that? It means that they're concerned about their relationship with others. In the family, outside the family, wherever. They're concerned about their relationship with others. Verse 3 says they do not backbite with their tongue. They don't do evil to their neighbor. They don't take up a reproach against their neighbor either. Backbite means slandering. They just don't slander people at all. Never make false charges or misrepresentations that would impugn someone's character or your reputation of that person. And here's the test for that. Will this statement that I'm thinking about making, or my flesh wants to make, will it enhance the testimony of that person's life and or will it magnify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you won't pass that test, we need to keep our mouths shut. No slander. And I'm going to tell you, I know Pastor Dan's had this happen. I've certainly had it happen through my years of pastoring. And someone come, and you've had it happen too. Someone comes and says, I need to share this with you. I have something I need to share with you. Watch it. 99% of the time, that's probably going to be gossip. I need to share this with you, Ray. I don't know if you heard this or not. I want to tell you, if someone does that, you know what you do? Make sure it dies with you. Don't open your face about it to a soul. It doesn't do anything to help those people that it's about. You know, it's... Now, if somebody's about to shoot themselves or something, that's a need-to-know classification. But other than that, no. We don't talk about it. We don't slander people. We don't do anything to impugn our character. And there's something about this robe of flesh that loves to feel better about itself because I've stepped on somebody else and the rung of my ladder up to in my self-appraisement. I feel better in my flesh if I can compare myself unfavorably with someone else. You know what that is? That is sin. And it's spiritually stupid. Paul said that. We're not wise when we compare ourselves with ourselves. No comparisons. No slander. No impugning anyone else's character. <laughs> I don't know how many times on the way to Pope on a Sunday morning I've had someone say, Pastor, I need to share this with you. Can it wait? Can it wait? And by the way, a child of God has no calling from God to treat everyone the same. Do you agree with that? You know, I've had people, well, you know, at our church, we just love everybody. Just love everybody. You know something? I don't love everybody. And you... I won't ask for a show of hands because I, I don't want you to lie before the Lord. But you don't love everybody either, do you? And you have no calling to that. I've heard people say, well, you know, we just need to despise a sin, but we love the sinner. That gets overplayed to where in our society we're accepting everything. We have no calling to love everyone. 
Verse 4, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. You know what that means? It means despised. In whose eyes? This righteous person that has daily fellowship with the thrice holy father is one who despises vileness. And that's a calling. And I want to tell you something else. It'll be a fruit of the Spirit as well. Oh, it's not listed, you say. No, but it'll work that way. You know why? Because you won't love what the Father despises. You won't love that. You'll be offended by it. It'll be vile to you. You'll despise it because of your love to the Father. And you can't have fellowship with someone that... Here you are, you love the Lord. And you can't have fellowship with someone who hates the things of God, who has no interest in the Word of God. Certainly we can try to minister to them, share the truth with them, pray over them, and hope they, by grace they're saved someday. We can't have fellowship with them, and you should not. You better wake up. If you are having fellowship with a bunch of pagans out there, you need to understand this. You know what fellowship does? It leads to fellowship. You'll wind up participating or sharing in, or condoning something that's contrary to the will of God for them and for you as a child of God. Look at Psalm 1. It warns us about standing, listening to the counsel. What happened? Then we end up sitting with them in the way of sinners. Fellowship can certainly lead to fellowship. We can have ministry, certainly, and missions to the unsaved. But our fellowship is with those who belong to the Father. And we have fellowship with those who are nurturing to us and we're nurturing to them. This person also swears to their own hurt. 15.4 C, the third part. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changes not. In other words, they do exactly what they say they will do. Period. And if the situation changes, they say, well, you know, I can't do that now because you say, no, none of that. They keep their word. They keep their word. A few months ago now, I preached the funeral of one of them. A dear, dear, precious brother. Loved this man. We were close. Man close at the heart. Had a privilege of being his pastor for a few years as well. We were close to the heart for about 25 years. And now he's home with Jesus. But this guy, just down to the earth guy. Building contractor. Excellent craftsman. But he was so consistent in his walk with Jesus. You never, I, made a, I used him as an illustration one time in a sermon. I probably shouldn't have. He was in the auditorium. I said, you know, this guy, he, is, he is boring. You know why he's boring? Because he is so consistent in his walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, there are never any surprises. You know what he's going to say. You know how he's going to respond. You know what he's going to do. You know what he's not going to do. He's consistent. He was one of those consistent Soldiers of the cross I ever met in my life. He did. His son said, boy, daddy, if he said he's going to do it, it was going to be done. And if he said he wasn't, it wasn't happening. That was the testimony that he had. 
And, and when he said he was going to do something, this is it. My daughter Bethany kissed one of those four-foot yellow posts on a Walmart parking lot out there in Abilene one time. She's out there at school. They really changed the looks of the front end of her Jeep. And so I decided I would rent me one of those car hauling trailers and go out there and bring it back to a body shop here locally that I could kind of monitor the whatevers. Well, this brother got wind of that. He called me up and said, I'm going with you. I said, no, 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 my uh, look, I'm going to leave early. I'm going to drive out there, pick up the car, you know, load it, drive back, get home late at night. It's going to be a long, dull, boring trip. No use you wasted a day doing that. He said, what time are we leaving? I said, 8 o'clock. That's the way he was. He said he was going. Book it. He's going to go. If he said he wasn't, he wasn't going to. This person never changes what they say is the gospel truth pertaining to what they said. This person also is seeking this daily intimate and enjoying this daily intimate fellowship with the Lord, feels a spiritual responsibility in regard to his or her use of money. Verse 5a, he, he that putteth not out his money to Israel. What is that? That's the interest he has a higher motivation than money. It's not about getting with him or her. And this, you know, this doesn't refer to banks. I wish it did. <laughs> There's certainly a little bit upside down on what they pay you and what you pay them, right? Uh, but Jewish law set this in concrete. A Jewish person could not loan his Jewish brother money at interest. Period. It's forbidden by the law. Love was to be the motivation for to help only, and would, there was to be no gain from it whatsoever. Now think about that. To be no gain whatsoever from it. That's a good principle. And even our government likes it in one aspect. When you got your giving a statement for this year, Doc gave it to you, you know what it had at the bottom? After the total up here and whatever, it said this. No goods or benefits or something of that nature was received for this. It was a testimony to the federales that we gave without any gain because of our giving. That's a good thing. To give without expectation of return. But remember the caution (laughs) Proverbs 22.7 pertaining to the banks. The borrower is always servant to the lender. And it's good not to be servant (laughs) to the lender if you can possibly avoid it at all. But there is one in business that pays interest and it's acceptable to the Lord. Romans 13.8 Owe no man anything but to love one another for he that loveth it pays interest and it's redeemable on heaven's shore as it rewards from the Father for faithful love here of the brethren. And it doesn't take reward against the innocent. What does that mean? Bribes. No bribe against, the idiot, the, uh, against uh, anyone for any purpose or anything. A true Christian, a genuine person serving the Lord, got his heart set on pleasing the Father cannot be bought at any price. Not with money, popularity, privilege, position, or position. 
Can't be bought. That's it. Their motivation is to serve the Father. They look unto Him for all things. I'm grateful to the Lord God that there's none of that goes on in Washington. Wow. A wicked man taketh a gift out of the bosom to pervert the ways of judgment. That's what bribery does. It's a reversion. You know, if you'll testify such and such, we can bless you in a certain way or whatever, you know. There's a lot of that goes on. Who knows the millions and billions of dollars now that have changed hands through lobbying in Washington? Version of justice. For years, I, five years running, I hosted tour groups to Jerusalem, Israel, Holy Land spots over there, and loved it. Loved the ministry opportunity. And on a particular trip, I we had the group up on top of the Temple Mount, and I was. We've been talking about the Eastern Gate. The Eastern Gate is sealed, and it has been. You know, will be yet. And so we'll take the group over there to see this walk over to Eastern Gate. So we started over to the gate. Here this Arab guard came out. No, no, cannot go. No, no. I said, well, we just wanted to take a look. You know, just a little closer look at the gate. No, 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 no. Cannot, must not, cannot go. Very firm, very firm. So I reached in my wallet, in my pocket, and I pulled out my money clip and I snapped out a $20 bill. And I said, you know, we've traveled halfway around the world to look over all the sites over here. And it would be so meaningful to this small group of people that I have if we could, you know, just get a close look at that gate. He looked at me and he looked at the 20 and he said, well, I guess it'd be okay for you to take a look. Was I using bribery? Of course not. I'm a spiritual leader of a group over there. I just knew how to oil the wheels, <laughs> so to speak. And I knew that there was that unadvertised cost of admission in several places over there. Money talks, but it's never to be what causes you to talk or causes me to talk or any benefit thereof. Well, there's a benefit, it says. Of course, there's daily fellowship of the Lord. Who can abide with you, Lord? Who can dwell with you on a daily basis in an intimate way? Who is that? Well, that's a person that walks with integrity, does righteous work, speaks truth in his heart, never slanders anyone, does not any evil to his neighbor, despises evil. Those that love the Lord, always brothers without charge, and never takes bribes. They are the ones who enjoy unhindered intimacy with God. And the promise there in the last verse. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Move from what? Move from that position of intimacy. Move from that position of daily intimate fellowship with the Father. Best there is to be had. And you can walk. This way, according to the word of God, and never be moved out of that daily intimate fellowship with the Lord. Simple to understand, just five verses. Difficult to do in the flesh, but doable by the grace and mercy of the Lord God. May God give us grace.
to hunger after it and to seek it daily through the word and through prayer. We love you, Master. We love you, dear God. The sweetest thing we know in this life is intimate fellowship with you. Oh, we've been there, and then we've not been there. It's not that we lost our salvation. It's that we just had lean, dry times. And then there were those times that, oh my, just basking in your presence. What a joy. Like David said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Lord, that's what we're after. This world is a mess down here, but you're over it. And because you're sovereign over it, that means, Father, we can live here and serve you just like any other believer ever has with faithful, consistent fellowship with you. That's our desire. That's our desire. And Lord, we pray for grace to walk in a way, in every way, that pleases you to that end. In the mighty and holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen.